Preparing to delve in three, two, one. We now return to Nathan and Alex delving through Reddit. And I think we had some surprisingly cogent advice and thoughts that came out of it, which is surprising on so many levels. Enjoy. This is one that you might actually have thoughts on. What are some things you would like to see in a deck-building war game? There's like a, a whole post after that, but I'm pretty sure that that's the gist of what he's saying. A deck-building war game? I want to see resource wars. Uh, I want to see you being able to capture opponents' cards and use them against them, or mm. sacrifice them for resources. Oh. It's a war game. I don't just want to see you attacking the yeah. other player, yeah. because that's not all you do in war. I want to be able to see subterfuge, yeah. subtlety, manipulations, assassinations, resource gouging, all kinds of stuff. This right. might not all happen in the same game, right. but these are all things that can happen. I think that if you uh, took a, a, a model like a Magic the Gathering, but you expanded upon that idea, like for instance, maybe it's not just that you have X number of life, that you can actually apply other things like attack buffs, defense buffs, like you're almost, instead of just having life, you're building a fort of some kind. I was just thinking that same yeah. thing. Like, what if you could actually, like, build a fort out in front of you? Like, yes. you take your card can either be used as, like, your soldier, or you can turn it into manpower to build a fucking wall. Yeah, I th that would be a lot more in-depth, and I think that you could design some really interesting cards that would help to buff those things. Maybe not even in sometimes permanent, but in short-term ways. Uh, right, and yeah. even semi-permanent, like... Let's say that you uh, you get control of an army and you have your generals like commander for magic, sort of, where your generals have different abilities based on their experiences and their what they do. Yeah. So what if, say, you have a general whose ability is like, even if the general is captured or killed, the army won't stop fighting for X amount of turns? Yeah. Because they've just been trained that they... Basically, they don't need a chain of command. They are an autonomous force. Right. I like the I like the idea of um, like if you had a card and maybe it added to your to the defense of your uh, of your keep, your castle, whatever you want to call it. But if you're uh, like under siege, you could theoretically sacrifice it so that you get a bigger bonus for that turn. But then you lose it afterward. So like I get a plus two to defense. Uh, they're attacking. Okay, you can sacrifice that card, too, and you get five to defense for this turn, but then it's gone. So you could do stuff like that. I think that that would be interesting. That, that would actually be a really more complex version of magic in some ways. Honestly, if you were going to do this as a tabletop card war game, I would almost say that instead of just, like, having your deck and having your field right in front of you, mm. you would actually have, like, a grid in front of you. Yeah, you would have so to it's go like, with So that. it's almost like Stratego. Yes. Yeah. You uh, where you've that. got your deck of cards, and then you like play some, and they can advance, and you can put things on the actual field in front of you. That would be a really neat tabletop war game. Yeah, actually, um, that doesn't... Like tabletop card war game. Yeah. Well, you know what that reminds me of? You, you're familiar with the, the Yu-Gi-Oh, Unfortunately, you? yeah. <laughs> Do you remember in Yu-Gi-Oh, and I think they ended up doing a video game at least of it, there was a point where they were on a grid battle, 
they they had to like weave through an actual maze. I I, I don't remember this. But no. I if I can figure out what it was, it's it's fine. Yeah. I you know you could put traps down in front of your stuff too, and that. And so it's it's taking the logical extension of stuff like putting down traps from magic or from yeah. or from uh, Yu Gi Oh. Yeah. And it's like actually putting in like build. This is one that I would have fun building too. Mm-hmm. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A game like this, because then you get your deck. As you said, you get this whole grid in front of you between you and your opponents. Mm-hmm. And you can build fortifications, you could build like cannons, you could put sentries, you could do all sorts of weird tactics. It could be almost almost like Warhammer 40k, like setting up the table, except you do it in card form. Right. And that would be really neat. It feels like you could almost make something like a tower defense game, but with cards, with an actual deck of cards that you're playing. Like, and you're just, you're having two opposing factions that are both trying to take over each other's keep. Um, but you could lay out, like, an actual battlefield. If that were the case, I'm trying to think if there would have to be either... No, I guess it doesn't have to be a neutral player. It could just be the, the players themselves building actual barricades and walls and things like that that actually start to route traffic, but it has to route it from both sides. So it's routing, so it's routing it for you, but it's also routing it for your opponent. Oh, man. Yeah. See... See, uh, now I'm thinking, like, instead of just a war game, mm. you have, like, a resource management, too. Not even just a grid. You set up this entire elaborate table, but it's card-based instead of, like, it's almost like playing a turn-based strategy game at this point, but in card mm-hmm. form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this would be really cool. Because yeah. then you go, oh, there's a mine here, and I want this resource. So it's like, all right, so I can either pull a card from this deck over here or this deck over here. You have a card for, like, uh, resources and building, and then you have a car- a deck for, like, militaristic stuff. So yeah. you could have a couple decks there, and then your opponent could have a couple decks. And you could still... It wouldn't even necessarily have to be a deck builder at that point. Mm-hmm. It could just be a strategy game, straight up. Yeah. Or, or if you really want to have fun, you both deal out of the same decks. Oh, and Then it's yeah. luck, of the, luck of the draw plus strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because actually, that takes out some of the elements of randomness, too. Like, where, where your opponent might just have some really good cards that they've constructed, but what if both of you have to deal with the same deck? Now you're kind of on level playing field. It's more about strategy at that point. Even more, too, you could do, like, play the same deck, but you draw the first card, you flip it over at the beginning of each turn or whatever like that, and you each make a bid in secret about how much you want to pay for the card. Mmm... Because then it's like, all right, how much is this worth to me? Cool, I get the card, but I also just wasted resources or gold or whatever for that card, and they now have that resource to do something else with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this would be an issue. This this would be interesting on a grid too. Like if you if you had a fairly good sized grid that you would be playing on, and then you have the deck. Now band. we've uh, now we got to okay. go ahead and find some people cool. to help them, help us make this game. Because this actually sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> See, <laughs> this good thing we have it. Good. good thing this is being recorded right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so how can we improve war? Can you can you do anything to improve war? Uh, co-op. Uh, war yeah, war? Uh, but you don't get to have our advice because we're gonna go ahead and make that. Yeah, advice. we're gonna we're gonna go make that game. Sorry, we've already lined people up. I'm talking to some people right now. We're going to make we're going to make this game. What are we gonna call it though? Cartigo. <laughs> <laughs> I was going with Cartigo because it's Stratigo with cards. With cards, yeah, I, I get, uh, I get where you're going with that. Actually, you know what's interesting is that in some ways this reminds me of when I was talking about like um, how Fortnite had the save the world 
thing and you're building oh, yeah. you're building forts and you're building traps and all of that stuff so that you can defend against a, a horde except the other player is the other horde it's coming there in you and you have to both a- attack and defend that's kind of fun you could even theme that for something like almost like starcraft you know like because all your different factions have different things that they're good at you put up shields stuff like that Depends on, I'm not sure how you would want to theme that. If you'd want to do it with, like, a medieval thing, or if you'd want to do, like, might and magic kind of stuff, or cyberpunk. What, this war game? Yeah, the the war game. I mean, obviously you make different variations for different time periods and tech levels. You need the crabs against humidity version. Yeah, definitely. crabs version. Yeah, the crabs. This version's got crabs! <laughs> now with 100% more crabs. Nobody wants that. No. <laughs> no. No, not even Joe at his crab shack. Oh, boy. Okay, uh, anybody ever try co-designing a game with your best friend? My best friend and I have been gaming together since kindergarten. We're now 32, and we're both designing games. I would love to devote myself full-time to it as a career, and he would love to design in addition to his career, which leaves us able to work together to run a Kickstarter campaign if we want. Anybody have any experience with this kind of situation? Any tips or cautionary tales that are welcome? I don't have any tips or cautionary tales, I don't think. No. I've never done this. Yeah, just uh, make sure they're still your best friend at the end of it. Yeah, I guess that's a good tip. Yeah, because um, don't let the game ruin that. Uh, my, my suggestion is to not not work aside from doing this. Do it as a passion hobby mm. with your best friend. That's something you can do together. That is a hobby, but can turn into something more later if it goes well. Because if you devote yourself fully to it and don't have a source of income, well, let's just put it this way. You're not going to make money right away. If you make money at all, if you have a game that is worth selling, it's not a fast process. It really isn't. Don't think you're going to get out of this in like a year or so and hey, you're you're on easy street. That, That is rare. You're... It's doable. It's rare. It's not. It has like, happened. The common theme it has, that happens. It, it has happened. So I know. I know somebody who literally, you know, was was in and around and worked on on projects. But the first big thing that he worked on, he actually put. He he kept working on for like about a year to put it together, and it did so well that he's now like, I guess this is my job now. That was actually. Um, Retroverse. When I talked to oh, so Chris Law, Chris Chris was saying, "Yeah, we we spent like they had, they had worked on that for you know nine months to a year or so. The first time they did the Kickstarter, it didn't uh, fly. It was too soon. They came back though, and their funding goal went off the charts. And he's like, um, yeah, I guess I guess doing stuff for this is now my job. This is basically where I can be at to to do this full time. So." It does happen, but it is very, those are very, very rare cases. And you do a lot of, you do a lot of footwork in order to get there, too. They did, they did a lot of media campaigning. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of ground slogging. It's a lot of being on social media in places that you get exposure, anything like that. It's a lot of campaigning. It's a lot of making sure you get your foot in the door in the right places need to. Yeah. Um. The social medias, the, the the podcasting, the YouTubes, the reviews, all that stuff. You cannot, in this day and age, launch an indie title without doing that work beforehand. No. Because if nobody knows about your game, 
Yeah, it goes Nobody's going to fund your game. It goes nowhere. <laughs> in fact, I would go so far as to say, if you look at Kickstarters that are successful and Kickstarters that are not successful, one of the biggest factors is what was the buildup that they put into that? How, how did they right. actually interact with their community leading up to that? What was the hype that they built? Because ha- you have to be the promoter for that. You, you really do. Um, there is way more footwork. When people are like, oh my god, this Kickstarter made like a jillion dollars. How did they do that? Must be lucky. No, it's because they spent a lot of time building a community. And that takes a lot of effort and a lot of work. So no, and a lot of dedication too. A lot of dedication. I mean, we all kind of, yeah, we all kind of shit on the Critical Role Kickstarter that they had because they made but so much they money. Built that community every single day, like. But that community is gargantuan. It's gargantuan, so. and they work hard at maintaining it. They they have a team that works on it, and the 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 people that play and everybody behind the scenes is super engaged with their community. That's why it's successful. And that's one of those big things. Community engagement is key. That's why it's successful. Like, yeah. if you do the math out, and yeah. you're going to need 500 backers mm-hmm. at your minimum level of funding, for instance, for Kickstarter, yep. you probably want to make sure you have at least double that amount of backers mm-hmm. are people that you actually have active and paying attention to you right like let's put it this way nathan we've got about 1500 followers on the on the twitter account i think we do give or take oh okay something like that cool (laughs) yeah uh very the fraction of which people actually listen is much smaller than that and and the engagement is smaller than that but you kind of figure that 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 is just going to be the thing yeah well that's one of those things we looked at when we were looking at um marketing stuff as well yes um is the return you get from interaction from people mm-hmm. from marketing advertisements and things like that yeah. usually ends up being about like one to two percent. It's really small. Yeah. And the amount of people that will actually then end up giving money to your projects or uh, just interacting in general is going to be very minimal compared to the number of overall people that are kind of lurking around your hemisphere. And, and that's not to discourage you. No. But it is a realistic thing. No, it's just real. It's just real. We have done a, a little bit here and there marketing for the show. Yes. And I know when we're doing Facebook analytics with it, it's the amount of views that you get versus the return on those views for your audience like i think the biggest one we had uh, i don't even remember now it was over fifty thousand some odd it was like half a million quarter million mm. um the audience range was like two hundred and fifty thousand, something like that i believe at one yeah. time yeah 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 and the views we got were less than that obviously yeah. it was like yeah maybe fifty thousand that right. saw this thing and the amount of people from those views that actually interacted with the post mm-hmm. Or, or or the space and actually like click through right. is like one percent of that. Right. So if you have fifty thousand people view it, even if it's a targeted audience in this case, because it was targeted more for the demographics that we we're looking for for gamers. Yeah. If we had fifty thousand people view it, we might have gotten like five hundred views. Right. Right. And of those five hundred views, who's maybe a hundred of them click through? Right. Exactly. So. Being aware of that. You have to cast a wide net. The wider, the better. The wider, start. the better, but also you have to target it to the right people. Otherwise, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. Um, 
And and this is something that falls true for marketing your games as well. Yes. Is you need to know what your audience is. You have to have a tight idea of who your audience is. Yes. It can be a wide net on it's for gamers that enjoy this type of game or people these ages or this demographic male, female or whatever. That's fine. You can have a wide net like that. Yeah. But you need to have a great idea of who your target demographic really is that's going to play your game. Right. If anybody out there is familiar with like um, uh, game theory uh, or film theory that's out there, uh, Matt Pat actually did a whole thing where he was talking about uh, different kinds of media, the kind that you pay for, the kind that you own, but then the best one, the, the one that's really useful. And so I always try to encourage people to, to engage in it is earned media. Earned, yes, I yeah. did see that video. It was very yeah. good. Earned media, for people who are not aware, is simply when other people uh, start to uh, basically refer to or utilize or do stuff with your content. Uh, they actually, essentially, they end up being your promotional tool um, f- without you having to be directly involved. And it is the holy grail of marketing. Um, it is because it's yeah. a free and B it's people ranting and raving about yourself, right? It's people who are so actively, you know, committed to the thing that you do that they actually want to engage personally in it. So really, if you're out there and you have a thing that you like, um, being able to actually engage with that and, and do the legwork to just kind of like promote that, e- even as just an individual, you might not think that you have much agency. It is huge. It is a really big deal for creators. Um, but, uh, to get back to the question of, uh, your best friend helping you, uh, <laughs> helping you build that game, um, I guess what we're saying is if your best friend happens to also be a marketing agent, you're in great shape. Make sure they know how to do that. <laughs> it's good if both of you are really good at that. If you have a best friend and you're trying to co-design a game with anybody, make sure you're both really good at marketing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> To to take it back around. And, uh, and yeah, the other thing, of course, is, uh, you know, make sure that the game and your project doesn't actually ruin the relationships that you already had beforehand. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not like we're great at it, but, you know, but we're aware that it's we're aware of it. This is interesting. I don't think that we've really talked much about this, but we should really have somebody on the show to discuss this more in detail. Converting a board game to LARP. I wanted to take a board game and turn it into a LARP. Is there anything that may prohibit me from doing this? Your imagination. Depends on the... I mean, a board game into a LARP? I mean, if it's for yourself, I don't think anyone's gonna, like... I don't think copyright lawyers are gonna come to, you know, the field that you're LARPing in and say, sorry, this is a violation of our... You're not... If you're not selling it... LARP is, like, a hard thing to sell as a product, so I, I don't see anything prohibiting them i'm kind of curious as to what board game it is though is it monopoly that's just wall street yeah it really depends <laughs> on the, the uh you know that's, like depending on what the board game is your larp may be an actual real life thing honestly larps are role-playing games and you converting a board game to a larp would mean it would have to have role-playing game elements to it so i'm Fair. not quite sure how this would work Honestly, this is awkward. I think you'd have to start by taking that board game and turning it into an RPG. Well, then job one. Yeah. Job one, you have to take the board game and you have to turn it into an RPG. 
then come back to us when you figure that yeah, out. Yeah, go go and figure that out because I think that that's going to be a real sticking point. If you have a board game and they've already made a role playing version of it, then yes, I would take the rule set from that. But uh, if you're talking about like if it's prohibiting you from doing it, I think that the only thing that would prohibit you is if there was copyright, but only the copyright or anything on that game is really only going to be a problem if you are purposefully making money on it. If you just want to yeah. go out and LARP, or if you like, if, or if you're selling it as a product. But see, LARP is. I, I don't see anything really prohibiting you from doing it. Yeah, no. If you're doing it for yourself and you're not making money on it, there's not a big deal. So. If you're doing it and you're you're raising money or something, or you're doing it at a convention, yeah, you might want to think about if if you have permission from like the license holder, uh, if it's a specific board game. Although I would suggest that if it's like I want to do Monopoly as a LARP or something, maybe just don't use Monopoly as a thing and just like consider it a similar thing, like the generic version. It's Monopoly, <laughs> and just. Like, do that to kind of, like, work around. Because if, since you're already converting it to a different kind of format, it's not really that thing anymore. So if you're turning it into something different, it's actually a different thing. You don't necessarily even need to use the, the you know, the name or the property of the board game that inspired it. I guess this is the, the last one that I have. This just, I wanted to, to use this one. Thoughts on choose-your-own-adventure slash narrative-based board games? Oh, jeez. I've played Tales from Arabian Nights, Above and Below, Kingdom Death Monster, etc., and I'm currently working on a lightweight narrative-driven game. I want to know what issues or thoughts you guys have on the genre. My own experience has been traditionally that most games like this suffer from a lack of actual progression and clear objectives, relying on much on, too much on the novelty of making choices in the scenario. How do you make scenarios engage the rest of the table when it's not their scenario to roll on, make a decision about? These are challenges I'm facing with this idea. I mean, you, you don't just have one person choose the thing. You have a collective group decision, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I've seen quite a few that use that. Isn't it like Dread and those things? Usually you're all kind of engaged at the same time. How many, like, narrative-based board games have you personally played? I'm curious. Me? Yeah. Oh, geez, I don't know. Probably not a lot. Because I don't think I've played <laughs> any. I mean... Yeah, I don't think I've... Yeah. Not really. Yeah. That's not really my MO. Yeah, not in board game form. I like narrative in, like, role-playing games, but, like, as a board game thing? Uh, no, I can't really say I've ever played that. But, like, uh, if if we took something that we've actually talked about on the show, like a Ten Candles, would we consider mm -hmm. that a narrative-based board game? No, because it's an RPG. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. There's no board. There's no anything aside from role-playing. Yeah. And even if I were to look at something like Dread, that doesn't even use a board, so... No, the mechanics are Jenga-based, Yeah, but it's still an RPG. So, in terms of... Oh, man, that's, um... Yeah, how do you keep the rest of the table engaged when it's not their scenario? Um, you do, like, a whole fiasco deal where it's... Everyone's dealing with the scenario. You may have pulled the string on this one and made this the scenario, but it's everyone's problem now. Yeah, you can add stuff into like causality. Like if a player makes a decision, uh, there's nothing to say that something about the other characters might actually change 
or their stories might modify depending on the actions of one person. You could theoretically have it so that since everybody's linked, and I'm guessing that if everybody's kind of like in the same place at the same time, it would make sense that uh, one person doing a thing would actually either help or hinder the other characters. And then that kind of leads to their steps moving forward. Everybody has to stay engaged even when it's not their turn because they know that whatever this person does, it's going to affect them too. You'd have to have some way to kind of like link those stories together in a more meaningful way where everybody's kind of like interconnected. But I think the biggest problem I have with the question is I'm I'm really hard pressed to determine like if I can name a lot of narrative based like choose your own adventure kind of uh, board games. The last choose your own adventure thing that I did was one of those books that I got back when I was in elementary school where you yes. where you turn to page 63 and oh no it was a giant snake. Wait no turn back turn back. It was turn a giant back. snake the end. Oh. I like the idea of having a choose your own adventure game as a board game, go to square sixty three. Oh no, a snake! <laughs> go back. It's a Cubert style tile flipping game. Oh my god, I would love to have a narrative Cubert game. Yeah, there you go. That would be great. I want to play Cubert. I'm kidding, folks. Don't make don't don't make me play Cubert. I know if I say it, they really want to make me do it. No, no. This no. this yeah, it's fine. Mm. I love that the the top rated combat is literally. Personally, I'm not a fan of this kind of game. <laughs> well, the community Accurate. has spoken. Accurate. I, I, I think a better answer would probably be if you took something that was pre-existing that doesn't have a lot of narrative features and you tried to add in some kind of a narrative feature to that kind of formula. Theoretically, it's not a bad idea to have a narrative version or, or a narrative component to a board game. It's just that if that's the sole focus, I think that people would be like, well, why am I just not playing a, a, a role-playing game? Right. For me, I'd be like, well, wh- why not just play an RPG if I want to have a narrative? Like, but if you took a board game that had the pre-existing set of rules and, and mechanics and stuff like that and you really enjoyed it, but then you added in some kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure element to it, maybe with a fate, a deck of fate cards or something or dice that you have to roll that determines where you're going i mean i could see that being a unique experience but i i think the problem where uh people uh don't like it is probably because they would rather just be playing a D or other rpg if they want to have a narrative experience sounds about right all right uh i think that's everything that i can find right now at least on uh, mr that's everything for this episode of whatever we called this <laughs> I forgot. Um, unsolicited advice? That sounds about right. <laughs> this is good. Discussion, discussions unsolicited. At this point, it's in two parts, because we actually had quite a few. I think originally we were like, let's just take two each. Then we got on a we roll. kept scrolling. Yeah, no, we, we kept, kept scrolling. scrolling. It's good. We'll do this again sometime. Let's see how... I enjoyed <laughs> it. <laughs> let's, uh, let us know what you thought of this episode. Mm-hmm. And if you like it, uh, if Reddit can provide us with more interesting, fun things to answer and read, mm-hmm. uh, we'll do it again. Yeah. Because yeah. we can. Because who knows? Somebody will probably enjoy this. Uh, actually, if uh, if anybody also has an idea of possibly a subreddit inside of the uh, tabletop uh, games world, I that mean, might be worth checking out. 
we could do all of like game design in general but i mean we could i'm actually we'll, we'll do that later i'm kind of curious about like not going as wide but actually going smaller into like some of the uh smaller uh subreddits i'm wondering if there's anything interesting there but i think the next time though we'll uh will like really uh like culminate some stuff first yeah, and yeah. uh maybe maybe get some suggestions from the audience uh if you uh, if you happen to see something that looked particularly interesting a forum of some kind that had an interesting question interesting discussion let us know because uh yeah we might want to discuss it on this show as well yes well now that we have uh, fixed the internet we did we fixed it we fixed it good yep we're fix we're fixing the internet um one reddit post at a time congratulations everybody uh i would like to uh say that we also have a wide variety of content alex where could they go to find all of that you can find our variety of content over at delvecast.com that's right we don't have a reddit there's the the only place that you're going to find delve related information is on delvecast.com you're not going to be able to go to like the subreddit about delve I mean, you can also go to our Twitter at Delve Podcast. You can go there too. You can also go to our Facebook group. Uh, there's a variety of ways to contact us. You can contact us through the website as well. While you're there, don't forget to check out our Patreon. Uh, for just a whole dollar a month, you can actually become a patron with a whole bunch of unlocked extras, including extended episodes and some draft uh, pieces for some of like, the videos and stuff that we do, some unique content that you won't find anywhere else. And uh, usually a lot of those extended episodes uh, release uh, far earlier than the normal version. So uh, that's fun. We had one of our patrons uh, that uh, got the last episode on Friday and let me know on Friday that this was great. I can listen to it over the weekend. So, hey, you want to get it a little early? Uh, I usually try to get those up it, relatively ahead of schedule, so you have that too. And of course, don't forget to find us on iTunes, Google Play, and all of those good places. Uh, all of those are great, and please rate and review and subscribe when you go. Uh, we always like that. I can get all the stars I want. Or, or mm. if you don't want to rate, review, and subscribe, mm. share it with a friend who you think might like it. That's earned media. That's that's yeah. that's that's yeah. what we love. Yeah. Like, just, hey, these guys, uh, these guys made me laugh, or maybe I hate these guys. You should listen to them and hate them for the same reasons I do. You can hate listen. Yeah. Enjoy that. <laughs> There's a market for that. There, I there know it to be true. We try not to piss people yeah. off, but one of these days, oh, we're going to do it. <laughs> we're going to do it. One of these days. It's probably this episode. One, Yeah, this this episode. If we, uh, if we read your question on Reddit and you're angry at us, get at us. Let us know. And and also realize you did post a a message in a public forum that anyone can find. Also true. Sorry. Uh, also, uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, uh, you can find me at Citanium. I am at EXP Limited, and as I already said, the show is at Dell Podcast. Yep. So feel free to follow along with us there uh, to keep uh, abreast of all of the goings on over here. I don't know why I somehow became English for five seconds, but. Thank you for listening to Master Delve Theatre. I have been Snowball the Rainbow Unicorn. Thank you for joining us. I, will, I won't do that anymore, Alex. Sorry. Well then. Do you want to just talk in the British accent for the last couple minutes of the show? Pip, pip, cheerio! <laughs> you know what? Never, never mind. Goodbye! Never mind. <laughs> this is what happens if we try to put on a production of Oliver. <laughs> this is why we don't put on productions of Oliver. 
No. What a twist. <laughs> what a twist. Ah, badum bum. The internet is a dark and scary place, folks. Don't go alone. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye-bye.